0: Hi, everybody. I'm Lena. Say hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. We've been married for six years. No, it's not our first marriage. But hopefully it's our last.
1: We're committed to making this one work.
0: We will talk emotional baggage.
1: Blended families. Love. Sex.
0: Relationships. Life. We are here to help you with your baggage.
1: So let's make sure that it fits in the overhead compartment.
0: Because haven't we already paid enough?
1: Life's too short to be weighed down by unchecked baggage.
0: So sit back and enjoy the flight. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our very first episode of Unchecked Baggage. This has been a little while in the making. We have been thinking about doing this podcast for about a year and then actually actively working on it for the last couple of months. So I'm really excited to get this first episode recorded. My idea. Yes, it was your idea. This, this is our very first episode. We thought that we should do a quick introduction of ourselves and tell you what the show is going to be about. I'm Lena, and this is Rob.
1: Who? Who's Rob?
0: <laughs> anyway, we met about nine years ago, and we've been married for almost seven. This is my third marriage, and Rob's second.
1: Because I'm no quitter. <laughs>
0: We both brought a lot of emotional baggage into this relationship, but we've been slowly and surely working our way through it together.
1: Daily. We work through our baggage daily.
0: True. Very, very true. So Rob, what attracted you to me in the first place?
1: Those double Ds, babe. Really? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, Actually, it was your big smile and your beautiful face is what attracted me
0: to me. To me, to to you? Yes. (laughs) At first. Well, thank you.
1: You lit up the whole room when you came in. Aw. Then I noticed your double D's. That was a plus. What about you?
0: Your sense of humor. For sure. That's it. I mean, you were cute, too. But <laughs> well, yeah. really, really, your sense of humor. That goes without
1: saying. I already knew that part.
0: Yeah we thought we'd do a podcast about relationships. We're going to talk about all sorts of relationship things and give advice to anyone that wants to send in questions. So definitely please send in the questions. We'll give you some information at the end of the episode for you to do that. For this first episode, we wanted to talk about what emotional baggage is and the different types and how to recognize it and what to do about it. Every episode isn't going to necessarily be about baggage, but we thought that since we're calling the podcast, Unchecked Baggage, that we should go ahead and dive into this topic first.
1: Good idea, babe. glad I thought of it.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you thought of it, too. So why do they call it baggage? Well, Wikipedia says that emotional baggage is an everyday expression that correlates with many varied but similar concepts within social sciences, self-help movements, and other fields. Its general concern is with unresolved issues of an emotional nature, often with implication that the emotional baggage is detrimental.
1: Can you repeat that, please?
0: (laughs) No. So basically, it's negative, unprocessed emotions from past experiences.
1: Everybody has it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, and if they don't, I don't think I've ever met anybody without any baggage. Well,
1: people might say they don't have baggage, but everybody has baggage. For sure.
0: I found some different articles that give some good information about relationship baggage, and we'll have those posted in the show notes. So first, I wanted to go over... The three types of baggage that can threaten relationships. Rob, what would you say a couple of those types might be?
1: Let's see. Sexual baggage, mental cruelty baggage, and physical cruelty baggage.
0: Those are all definitely different types of baggage, just not the ones listed in this article. Okay, well, the article's wrong. <laughs> the first type of baggage is family of origin. And basically, that usually means that your parents screwed you up somehow. <laughs> or, or it could have been a sibling. You can tell if someone has this type of baggage because they'll often be really angry with their parents, or maybe they have one sibling that has some sort of an addiction problem and the family is always worried about it, or maybe the person was abused in some way. In your opinion, Rob, what would you say is a good way to get through that type of baggage? Because that stems from childhood.
1: Well, I think if you have, for example, baggage concerning a parent, sometimes you might need to just... Back away from that parent, you know. Maybe spend less time with the parent. Don't be clingy. Forgive the parent because the parent probably didn't know at the time what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And then you could also just not do what the parent did to you to your kids. That's true. If your parent woke you up at three o'clock in the morning on a school night to move furniture around, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I'm not saying that happened to me. I just heard stories. Then don't do that to your kids. So it's simple.
0: That's good. I think the forgiveness. Piece is probably the most important. Even if someone in your life did something just terrible to you, I think in your heart, you have to kind of forgive it just for your own healthiness. Yeah,
1: because it eats away at you the time.
0: Right. The second type of baggage that this article talks about is depression. And just to be clear, both men and women can have depression. And it really can take a toll on a relationship. Sometimes depression looks different than you would think it would. It doesn't always have to just look like sadness and low energy. It's not always going to be somebody just like laying around in bed all day. If you're with someone that's really moody, if they're unsociable and not interested in activities that they used to find enjoyable, that can definitely be a sign of depression. Also easily irritated. I know that a lot of men especially end up their depression manifests its way in just irritation and anger. So if they are easily irritated and they like to argue a lot, it's definitely a sign. And all of those things could indicate that someone is depressed.
1: I agree with that. You can't really tell if somebody is depressed by the way they act normally. A lot of times the funniest people in the world are the most depressed. Mm -hmm. They use the laughter to cover up the depression. That's what I used to do. I used to make people laugh because I was depressed. Now when I get depressed, I just don't do anything at all. But some ways to work through that I found out later in life is just to do something that you like. So for me, whenever I feel depression coming on, after it takes me usually a couple of days... And then I think, okay, so i go for a walk, go work out, try not to be on my phone as much, try not to watch TV. Usually going outside, it helps with my depression. And then you tell me that I have depression.
0: My meds help me with my depression.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't want to take meds because it gives me erectile dysfunction.
0: <laughs> that happens to a lot of men, unfortunately. So,
1: yes. So that's another way too, because then that adds on to the depression.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah but I agree with you. I think that exercise helps a lot. Even if you're like me and you hate exercise, it really does help a lot to exercise and do things that make you happy. Even if you don't feel like getting up and doing those things, make yourself do it anyway because yeah. it'll make you feel better.
1: And this sounds cliche-ish, but just going outside in the sun, mm-hmm. you know, even just spend some time outside, that will help also. But really the most important thing is to recognize that the signs for each person is different you know, you got depression coming on, then you need to say, okay, I need to start doing whatever it is that you do to fix it. Yeah. Like, no alcohol. Yeah. Okay. No alcohol, no drugs. That's not going to help it. It's just a short term fix.
0: Yeah. Cause if you just let go, it'll, I mean, not just in your own life, but especially in your relationship, it'll end up really making right. it bad.
1: Admitting right. that you have depression is the first step really like being an alcoholic.
0: True. The next one is the X factor. So if someone is still hung up on their ex, that's a big red flag for your relationship. You can't progress in a relationship with someone who's still living in the past. And this one's pretty easy to spot. So does the person that you're dating, do they talk about their ex on a regular basis? Is he still meeting up with his ex for coffee or dinner? Does he say things comparing you to his ex? If he does any of these things, he's definitely not over his ex. Or she. Or yes, I was just saying he.
1: I mean, I kind of agree with that. Sometimes they can use the ex as a way of saying how much better their life is now.
0: Yeah, that doesn't mean that they're not over their ex. That's different. That's just appreciation for the situation that they're in now.
1: And it also depends if you have kids together. So if you have an ex and you have kids that you see, then yes, you could probably talk about your ex some. Like you have to do it in a way that's not saying that your ex was better than you are now because there's a reason why they're your ex, right? Something went wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important also to.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you have kids together, then you've got to have some sort of relationship and that, I mean, hopefully it's amicable, but if you're always comparing your new partner to your ex, then that's definitely. Yeah, Yeah. You don't say
1: stuff like, hey, my ex used to keep the house cleaner or my ex used to mow the grass or my ex used to cook dinner all the time or my ex gave me sex every day. Why don't you give me sex every day? You know, that kind of thing. That's not good.
0: I think that if your partner is not over their ex, then it's time for you to leave. Well that's just my opinion.
1: Well yeah, because you know, that's the easy way out, but not necessarily. Why don't you just bring it up and say, Hey, I noticed lately you've been talking about your ex, what's going on? What can we do? I Maybe but I, I think
0: if you're starting a brand new relationship and somebody's not over their ex, just drop it it's not worth it well brand new
1: that's yeah. different then you probably are rebound but if you've been in a relationship for a while and they're still bringing up the ex, then you need to talk about it instead of just Sam, i'm leaving
0: i don't know i guess we handle things differently you don't do. we <laughs> okay all right the next article that i found talks about sneaky types of baggage and if you have any of these types of baggage then you definitely need to work on them number one is guilt this is a feeling that you have when you feel like you've done something wrong There are a lot of reasons why you might feel guilt and it can eat away at you and definitely ruin the good things in your life. So if you've got guilt, you need to try to learn from it, forgive yourself, apologize if needed. What do you think, Rob? I mean, this is an issue that you definitely deal with.
1: Yes, I have a lot of guilt because I was very shitty to my first wife. So that guilt carried on to our relationship at the beginning because I felt like, I deserved to be treated like I treated her and I'd always look back on the things that I did and it would eat away at me. Like, why did I do that or this or that? But as I get further away from her, I realized that it wasn't all my fault. So now I've come to realize that I need to stop worrying about what I did, learn from it and move on. So when I was seeing a counselor, he told me to write down all the stuff I did that I felt guilty about on a piece of paper and drive out to the middle of nowhere, light it on fire and that would help me release my guilt. So I did that. It helped a little bit, but thoughts are still in there. But it was you know, symbolic, I guess.
0: Yeah. How much would you say it helped?
1: Well, like 20%. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I mean, so.
1: when it first burst into flames, it felt good. Then after that, it was like
0: nothing. Yeah. I think symbolic things definitely work for some people. I think it doesn't work for other people. So you have to figure out what works for you. But definitely if you recognize that that's something that is eating away at you, because it will guilt will eat away at you right you and gotta you, figure out the way that works for you
1: if you feel that guilty about it what you did in the past then don't do it again exactly. otherwise you don't really feel that guilty about it
0: right? yes good point the second one is regret so that's really just wishing that things were different than they are or maybe things you regret things that happened in the past mm-hmm. i know i'm just stumbling over my words here
1: yeah yeah i've <laughs> been drinking either
0: i know so really it's living in the past so you have to learn from the past but you need to focus on the present.
1: Correct. the you want to hear an example? Sure. Okay. So in my first marriage, at the beginning of it was great. And then as it went along, it was shitty. I wasn't happy at all. And I would always look back on my life before and say, if I would have done this, like for example, if I would have stayed in the Navy, then I wouldn't have got married and my life would be happier. Then I think, well, if I'd have done that, then I wouldn't have the kids that I had now because obviously they wouldn't have been born.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I spent most of my twenties and thirties looking back on my past, the things I should have done, should have stayed in high school, should have played sports more, should have done this, should have done that. But then as you get older, you realize that it doesn't matter what your decisions were, your life is probably going to end up the same way anyway, because your life is not a straight path. You zigzag through life and you're probably going to end up where you're going to end up anyway.
0: I don't know so I you learn
1: from all the stuff that you did in the past and that's what makes you what you are today. And now I look back on all the things that happened to me before and I appreciate what I have more now.
0: That's so sweet.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm talking about you.
0: You're pretty deep. All right, next. Fear. That basically means that you're scared. Maybe you're scared of the unknown or you're scared because of experiences in your past. Really, the best way to get over fear is by exposing yourself to what you're scared of. You have to make sure that you have a good support system because they'll help you feel more comfortable while you're confronting your fears.
1: Yeah, I don't really know about that.
0: You don't know about fear?
1: Well, I know what fear is because I'm afraid of elevators and height, but...
0: I was about to say, I've never met anyone more scared of things than you are. So It's just
1: two things. (laughs) So I'm afraid of being caught in an elevator and I'm afraid of heights, even though now I can fly without medicine. Like I'm so afraid of heights that even on TV, when I see something hype, my balls tingle. (laughs) It's weird. And then when I'm in a building, like on the top floor and I look out the window, my balls tingle. I don't know what that is exactly (laughs) what that means. I don't know if that's how you get scared, but I mean, it actually feels good
0: kind (laughs) of. So weird.
1: But, yeah, it's weird. Like the elevator thing is really the biggest one for me. I'll walk up 16 flight of stairs before I get an elevator.
0: Yeah. Let's kind of bring this back to like relationship fear. I mean, you can be say if things have happened to you in the past and you're afraid that they're gonna happen again in the future, you can bring that into your new relationships. That's definitely a type of baggage. Cause if you're afraid of something happening, then sometimes it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy to where you almost make it happen.
1: True. That's true.
0: So Definitely need to confront your fears, talk about them. And the next one is inner criticism. And this is when you judge yourself negatively. You're always your own worst critic, right? So do you tell yourself that you're too fat or ugly or not smart enough to get that new job? If so, you need to learn to silence your inner critic.
1: What if you tell yourself you're too good looking and too much in shape? Is that inner criticism
0: also? No, I think that's quite the opposite. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> Just wanted to know. So a couple of different ways that you can handle your inner critic is through self-care, like meditation. Uh, You could do like journaling. Also, don't ignore your inner critic. You need to acknowledge it, but you don't have to let it dictate your mood. And I think that's a really powerful thing. Once you realize that just because you have these thoughts, it doesn't have to control your day, you know?
1: That's true. I agree with you. I don't have anything to add to that one.
0: Hmm. Well, okay then. The next one's PTSD. A lot of people have PTSD. That's post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's triggered by a terrifying event in your life. It can be crippling and affect your life and also badly affect your relationship with others. And believe it or not, 7 to 8% of people have it at some point in their lives. And really the best way to deal with that is through therapy.
1: Yeah, I think my fear of elevators, which is actually a fear of closed spaces, came from a chronic experience when I was in St. Louis waiting to get on the arch thing. Mm-hmm. And you get inside of, it. it's like a little dryer and I was sitting in it and some kids got in and started talking about how their dad was cross and how small it was. And all of a sudden it started sweating. Fear came over me and I jumped off of it right when it started to close. And ever since then is when I've had all these other fears.
0: Oh, so it just triggered, almost like it opened up something in your mind. I was but... about 40 then. Wow. Yeah. I definitely had PTSD at one point in my life because my first husband actually killed himself. I know that's not a fun thing to talk about, but believe me, I'm over it. That was a terrible relationship. Anyway, at that point, I was about 30 years old. And I know for sure that I had PTSD for quite some time because my brain didn't work like it was supposed to anymore. I mean, I've always been like a sponge. I could just remember information and retain anything that I heard. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't remember anything anymore. And that was the worst experience of my life. And I'm still not... 100% 100% back to normal. But I can definitely tell that I have worked through a lot of it because my brain does work again. I still have to take notes to a certain extent, but not like I did before. I couldn't remember what a conversation from one day to the next. Even whenever you and I first met, like I couldn't remember. You'd be like, remember that restaurant that we went to? Da, 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 da. No, I don't remember.
1: Yeah. I know you always say, I don't remember saying you could have sex tonight. <laughs> I was like, that was just like five minutes ago. You're like, no, it wasn't.
0: I think you're exaggerating. No, I'm
1: not exaggerating either. Let me to start writing it down. I'm going to start sending it in a text so I can show you.
0: Whatever. So, Rob, what's your number one piece of baggage that you brought into this relationship?
1: Brought a lot of baggage with me because I'm so old, but probably guilt for being a serial cheater on my first wife and just being a shitty husband. and And that guilt has led to being more jealous than I normally mm-hmm. am because in my mind, I feel like I deserve to be treated. Like I treated her. So I keep waiting for that to happen. So mm-hmm. Sometimes that makes me a little jealous.
0: Yeah, you are a little bit jealous. Yes. What example were we talking about earlier?
1: You want me to tell the story?
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Go, so go
1: it's not my proudest moment. That's why I put it <laughs> on Facebook to remind me what an ass I was. So that time you went out with Katie, I think, to the bar for happy hour, which turned into five hours.
0: As they always do. Yes,
1: I know. I don't know why you say happy hour. And each hour went by, and I didn't hear from you. Then I started getting this feeling, this overwhelming feeling that you were not with Katie, that you were somebody else, and I couldn't fight it off. Like I tried. I was like, Why would she do that? Look how good looking I am. Okay. <laughs> why would she want to cheat on me? I have so much to offer. Okay. I kept saying that over and over and over again, and it just kept eating away and eating away. So finally, I got in my car, drove to the bar where you're at, and looked in the window. <laughs> <laughs> okay, saw you sitting with Katie, and I was like, okay. And I felt so shitty about it. And I was like, I cannot believe I just did this. Got in my car, started driving home, and then you called me because you were leaving, and you were like, where are you at? And I was like, no, nah, nah, not anywhere. I just have the Live 360 on our phone with you. Like, did you just come look at me? I was like, yeah, I did. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I looked at Life360 because it was late, and I didn't know why you would be in your car. Yeah. Are you over here?
1: Definitely not my proudest moment.
0: No. But yeah, I was so mad at you. You were. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I can look back on it and think it's funny. I mean, I don't blame I, you.
1: I would have been angry too, but just sometimes you know, you can't fight off that fear that you have. And mm-hmm. You just have to make yourself feel better, but then mm-hmm. it may make me feel better. May make me feel worse. Right. So thanks for bringing that up.
0: <laughs> Let's Good. talk about mine then. So my biggest piece of relationship baggage that I brought into the relationship is that I didn't get enough attention in my previous relationship. I was really bad at picking partners. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. I know. And the people that I was with, they weren't really in love with me. And that's what I needed. I needed to be with someone that was actually in love with me. So I think that makes me now expect you to make up for that. I'm in love with you. I know you are. But I always feel like you need to make up for it by constantly complimenting me so that I know that you're interested in (laughs) (laughs) me.
1: I know. And you have to be touched a lot too. So that's why I make sure every night I touch you while you're sleeping. I just reach over and touch your arm. Then I can say I touched you last night. <laughs> You'd even know it because you're asleep.
0: Yeah. So I mean, even last night, whenever we were getting ready to go out, I spent like an hour getting ready and then we <laughs> go out to leave. And Rob doesn't even look at me and didn't even tell me how pretty I looked.
1: Because un- the, until he
0: realized that that was what I was expecting.
1: Here's the thing, babe. Okay you're a very pretty, sexy woman. Okay. And you should know that by now. I don't feel like I have to tell you every single second of the day, how good looking and sexy you are. So now when you get ready and I don't tell you, you say, you need to tell me that I'm pretty. So I say, okay, you look good. So now when we go out, now that I know that you expect it, <laughs> so now it just seems awkward. So yesterday I went out of my way, not to say it, <laughs> just stared at you and we stared at each other for like five minutes and you were waiting for me to say something. And it just, now it seems forced. Okay. It's not even natural anymore. Okay, fine. It's like scheduling sex.
0: Don't ever tell me again that I'm pretty. Like, I'll be fine. No,
1: let me tell you on my own terms. I don't need to every time you get ready.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I get be, it. I know. I recognize this as my baggage.
1: I can start randomly telling you how good looking you are. That'll make you feel better.
0: <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Please do. Okay, so let's move on.
1: You are so good looking.
0: Stop it. Okay, let's move on. The next article that I found was about toxic relationships. If you're in a toxic relationship, it causes damage. So what is a toxic relationship? It's really any relationship where one person regularly mistreats the other person. Some examples are cheating, physical abuse, emotional abuse, all the stuff that we've been talking about, right? So once you're out of a toxic relationship, then you're going to have some baggage. But there are some things that you can do to help yourself. So you get out of this toxic relationship. One of the best things that you can do is purge. You can get rid of physical reminders. It's liberating. Physical changes can help to remap your mind. And I am a testament to this because I am a purger. I don't want any reminders of sadness around. And I know you're opposite of that, Rob, but that's the way I feel.
1: I use past experiences to help me realize how much better I have it now. So Mm -hmm. I don't completely purge all of my failed relationships or failed whatever. I use that as a motivator not to repeat it.
0: That's another approach you can take, but I'm a purger. I get rid of all the reminders, all of the pictures, all of the everything. I don't want those reminders. So
1: people out there that listen to this after I die, I need a week later to call Lena and make sure that she still has all my pictures up so she doesn't purge me.
0: That is a totally different situation, Rob. Why would I want to keep pictures up of my ex-husband? You want me to put me and my ex-husband? You want me to like put a big picture up? No. like Maybe on the mantle <laughs> in the living room?
1: Over the bed would be good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. The next thing that you can do if you're coming out of a toxic relationship or if you're in a new relationship with someone, you can open up with trust. So you let your new partner know about the past hurt. Right off the bat, they're not going to know what's triggering to you. So you've got to be honest and let them know the things that you've gone through before to your degree of comfort. You may not want to give them all the details, but you need to let them know that you have been through some things so that they understand your reactions to things.
1: Yeah, I'm usually the one that leaves the trail of destruction. So I don't really talk about it because I'm the one that did it. That's dark. Well, it's true. Mm -hmm. You know, part of maturing as a person is realizing all the stuff you've done wrong in in your life that was shitty and not do it again. Yeah, sure. And when you're old. Like me, that's a lot of shitty stuff.
0: You are very, very old. Yes. (laughs) All right. Next, focus on you. You can work with a professional. You can do some journaling. Maybe do some yoga. That's one of my favorites. But focus on yourself and try to work through the things that are going on. I like yoga. No, you don't. Greek yoga. (laughs) (laughs) All right. In summary, emotional baggage sucks. Everyone has it, but facing it and dealing with it will make you happier as a person and your relationship much, much better.
1: So let me just say this. So as somebody who spent at least 45 years of their life tucking the baggage away and trying to realize that it wasn't there, it doesn't do you any good. You got to open a suitcase and work on things one at a time. Otherwise, you're going to be a shitty person all your life and you're never going to be in a good relationship.
0: Even if you have like a whole set of luggage. Oh yeah, I brought. got. <laughs> yeah,
1: I got. I hate to know anybody that has more baggage than I do, but I've realized what the baggage is now, and I've worked on it.
0: Yeah, so, and, and we're still working through now both ha- of us. Now I'm a
1: halfway decent person.
0: You're a very good person. Ron. Yeah, whatever. All right, everybody, we got through it. Thank you for listening to this very first episode. The first ones are always the hardest, from what I've heard, and we appreciate you hanging in there with us.
1: My first was hard. <laughs>
0: Rob, do you want to close us out with a fun fact?
1: Okay. So here's a fun fact for you. An attractive face is preferred over an attractive body for long-term relationships. Do you know that? I didn't. So there's evidence that when looking for a fling, the body wins over the face on a physical attraction basis. The opposite is true, however, for those who are looking for a long-term relationship with a partner. So basically what it's saying is, if you're going to cheat, you don't really care what they look like. You just want to cheat.
0: Huh. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Thanks for that. You're welcome. And thank you to everybody for listening.
1: One more thing. Spending time with you is like a hot dog. I relish it. God. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to us.
1: For relationship advice or to tell us how great we are, please email us at uncheckedaf at gmail.com.
0: We can also be found at uncheckedbaggage.co
1: or on Facebook by searching at Unchecked AF.
0: Our Twitter handle is at Unchecked one
1: Or search for Unchecked AF on Instagram.
0: Thank you to Jessica at jessiebcreative.com for our awesome cover art.
1: And thanks to everyone for listening to Unchecked Baggage and Check, check Your Baggage, baggage at, at the Door. door.